Joshua chapter 3. While you turn there in your Bibles, we'll look a little bit at what actually gets us to this story, at the events leading up to the story that we're going to look at this morning. When we get to our text, we know that the nation of Israel has already been in the bondage of Egypt for more than 450 years. They, they were bound in slavery. They were they're enduring hard times. And, and God used that man named Moses, and he went and he did many amazing, mighty miracles before the children of Israel. And he caused the Pharaoh to let God's children go. And then we know the story of how they got there, and God parted the Red Seas, and the children of Israel walked across on dry land. And the Bible says, that the Egyptian army, Pharaoh, and all of his horses and chariots, the Bible says the saying to do so, meaning they wanted to do the same. They were going after him to recapture him. And the Bible says that God closed the Red Sea in on him, and he drowned all of the enemies of God's children. Everybody said amen. So we know that God brought his children to the promised land. He brought them to the place that the Bible says was a land flowing with milk and honey. And they went over and they saw the giant grapes and the pomegranates and all that was there. And, and it was truly a land flowing with milk and honey. And they saw it, but they came back. And we know that God's children would not enter into the promised land because of doubt. In spite of the fact that Joshua and Caleb tried to tell them, our God is able. Anybody listening this morning, you got a problem in your life. you got something going on. You need God to intervene. In spite of the fact that Joshua and Caleb are telling them, God is able. God is bigger than your problem. God is bigger than your circumstances. God is bigger than your enemy. God is bigger than what's on the other side of the Jordan. In spite of the fact, the people absolutely would not cross over because of doubt. So for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. They wandered until all of those of the age of accountability died in the wilderness. When we get to our text, for 40 years, they have been wandering in the wilderness. Moses has died. Joshua is now their leader. Our text this morning, Joshua chapter 3, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 11. Behold the ark of the covenant of the Lord, all the earth that passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. It came to pass, when the people removed, removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of that covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were come into the Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all its banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city of Adam, that is beside Zaratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. The priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. It came to pass when all the people were clean, passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe of man, and command you them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every man, out of every tribe of man, 
And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. These stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. God, I thank you so much for this book. God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for every Old Testament story, for every New Testament fulfillment, for every prophecy of the future. I thank you from in the beginning to amen, God, that you gave us this precious book. I pray now, God, will you take it and make it real to us this morning. I pray that you'd move among these, your people. And God, I pray your Holy Spirit would speak to each one in this place individually. God, I pray that everybody in this place would receive a nugget from heaven this morning, that we'd walk out of here having been changed by the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray you'd help us now to be pleasing to you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I used this story a few years ago talking about the memorial, but in that, toy, in that one I was talking about our prayers from Acts chapter 10 where the Bible says that thy prayers are gone up as a memorial before God and how God keeps our prayers and makes them as a memorial. The word memorial is used 32 times in the Word of God. The number 32 in the Word of God represents a covenant. The word memorial means a preservation of a memory. That which preserves the memory of something anything that serves to keep in memory so God had his children stack these 12 stones that were taken from the Jordan River and he had them take each one and put it in the place where they were lodging as a memorial it is a preservation of a memory a memory of something that God did for them God said whenever your children ask what is the meaning of these 12 stones? What is the meaning of this pile of stones here? Tell them what God has done for you. So let's talk about that for a minute. When our children ask, why do we go to church? What do we tell them? When our children ask, why, why do we go to church? Well, it's the right thing to do. But why? Anybody got children? Well, well, that's just what Christians do. But why? Until you get to about the fifth one, because I said so. Now close your mouth and get ready. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. It was good enough for me. It was good enough for mine. So that's just kind of where we get. But, but what, what, about, what about this? What has God done for you? Anybody remember the day when you got saved? Anybody remember that day? Anybody remember the things that God delivered you from in that day? Let me ask you this. If it was not for God, where would you be today? I'll tell you what I want to do. If you're saved in here this morning, you've trusted Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, not because of anything that you've done, but because of everything that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did. All we did was accepted the free gift of God. But because we trusted the free gift, our sins have been washed away. 
our names written in the Lamb's book of life because of him. So if you're saved by that this morning, as a testimony, as a memorial to the goodness of God, as a reminder, would you just stand up right where you're at? It's just a memorial of what God has done. It is a reminder. It is a memory of what God has done for us. So we stand as a memorial. So thank you. You can be seated. So let me ask you another question. As a memorial, there are marriages in here this morning that are struggling. There are marriages that are watching on live stream that are struggling. There are homes that are separated and divided right now. The television program this week, there will be people watch it that marriages are struggling. As a testimony, as a memorial of what God is able to do, is there anybody in here that at any time in your past, God has reached into your marriage and healed something that was broken? God has reached into your marriage and taken something that was bad and made it better. God has fixed Something for you in your marriage. If that's you, would you stand up this morning as a testimony that God is able to reach in? My wife and I are standing. That's a testimony. That is a memorial of what God did for you. That those out there who are struggling, those that their marriage is in trouble, can look around and see all over this room that God has reached into the greatest majority of marriages in this building, and God was enough. Thank you. You may be seated. What about this memorial? Is there anybody in here that God delivered you from any form of substance abuse? Legal drugs, illegal drugs, prescription medication, alcohol. Is there anybody in here that God has delivered anybody from any type of, of, of addiction? Would you stand up? It is a memorial of what God has done. It is saying that God is enough. God has brought me out of this, and God can bring you. Those things are called a memorial. What about this one? You may be seated. Has God ever reached into your life? Has God ever been enough? Have you ever had a financial problem? You had no way out. You didn't know what you were going to do. You thought you were going to lose it all. <laughs> but God reached into where you were, and God was enough. He made a way, and God come in, and he did something. That is a memorial. That is a testimony that God was enough. There are people right now that are on the brink of being homeless, and they need to look and see a memorial that God was enough for you, and God will be enough for them. Anybody know that God is enough? What about this one? Anybody ever suffered from depression before? And God reached in and pulled you up out of the depth, pulled you up out of the darkness, pulled you up out of a deep spot pulled you up. I know the stories of people that have sat on the bedside with a gun to their head, that sat in a car with the motor running, tried so many different ways to take their own life because the enemy told you you were done. The enemy told you God wasn't able to overcome your circumstances. The enemy told you you had no hope and no help, but God raised in and said, I am enough. That is a testimony. That is a memorial. That is a reminder. What, what about what about a sickness? Anybody ever been healed in here? You ever had a major sickness? Maybe it was Alzheimer's. Maybe it was cancer. Maybe it was brain cancer. Maybe it was just a problem. Whatever it was, it was a major sickness, and God reached in. It's a memorial that people might look and see that God is enough. It doesn't matter what the problem is. You put memorials. Those are reminders. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think right now. Think of something that God did for you that only God could do. Nobody else could have done this. Probably nobody else would have. 
But the truth is, nobody else could have. You're at a spot in your life, it doesn't matter what it was. I want you to think about one thing in your life right now that you know that God did for you. It was life-changing. You've never forgotten it because you know that God stepped in and did it. You got it? Anybody got it? Anybody know God did something for you? You got it? Anybody know it? All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find somebody sitting in front of you or behind you or around you that does not know that story, and I want you to tell them right now. Share the story. Let them tell you or you tell them about it. Tell the story. You've been awfully quiet. Tell the story. Tell the story. Find somebody. Turn around. Get up and walk to the other side of church. Go to the balcony if you have to. Tell somebody what God did for you. JB, come here a minute. How about hang on to that one over there? You good? There you go, Rich. I'll hand this to you. You don't mind taking it to the other side. Let me ask you this. They're going to bring you a microphone. I want somebody in here to tell everybody in here and everybody out there what you just told somebody else. I want you to raise your hand. I got a story to tell. I got to tell it. There ain't nothing like a testimony. It's hard for me to say, but um, to, in front of everybody, but I got, um, I had to let go of my job that I worked for for 31 years. And I didn't know what I was going to do because we, I still needed to work. And Howard kept bugging me about it. What are, you got to work, you got to work. And I said, Howard, you got to leave me alone. And he had the church to pray for me. And the Lord put it on my heart. And I said, Howard, come home one day. And I said, Howard, I said, I know what I want to do. And he said, what? And I said, clean houses. I said, I can go. I, can, I don't have to answer to anybody. And I want you to know, I just put the word out. And I've been working ever since. I work five days a week. I have so much work that I do. It, it wears on me, but it was nothing but God. That's all it was. Yeah. That's nothing. And then my brother... My brother had addiction problem. My brother had alcohol problem. And we were raised in a Christian home. He knew better. But his life didn't turn out the way he wanted it to. And he took it to the wrong things instead of taking it to Jesus. But this church prayed for my brother. I prayed for my brother. And my brother had to have open heart surgery and God saw him through. And he is, he is just doing so good. And I just thank Jesus for all his blessings because... He was here last week. That's right. And not only that, nobody can convince me that there's no God. Nobody. Because 
he answers prayers, whether it's our way or what he sees best for us. And I just thank the Lord for my Jesus. Adrian Rogers said this week that he was talking to an older preacher, and he said, I used to believe um, that he talked about the things of the Bible and Jesus raised from the dead and the healer and God was able to do all things. He said, I used to believe that. He said, but not anymore. And he he said that he was taken back, and he said, the man, and he said, I know that. There's a whole difference in believing in God and knowing God. Go ahead. At the age of 83, my mother got cervical cancer. And I thank God every day that she has now been three years cancer-free. And she's just as strong as ever. Amen. I saw a hand back here. Wow. God had to, he really had to answer my mother and father's prayers on me. An alcoholic of alcoholics, a drunk of drunks, a cusser, a thief. Everything that came down the pike, I was hit. I got hit one time with 440 on a dock from a cable. It knocked me 30 feet, and I got up to tell about it. I flipped a car one time, and for three times. The biggest point on it they could measure was 16 inches. And I walked away. They dragged me out of it. God had a purpose for me. Yeah. I'm in it now. Now, as you know, my wife's gone on ahead of me. And that's a challenge to get closer to God. And to accept and thank him for the time I did have with her. So I want you all to know, if, as long as you get close to God, you can make it through anything. Yeah. <laughs> and that's right. I could tell you so many stories, you wouldn't believe it. I actually, when I got drunk, I used to like to roll cars over. I'd just get them going fast as I could get them and just flip them. And God just spared me through all those crazy times. I thought I was going to die before I was 25, so I was the the one that challenged God to kill me, but he didn't, so here I am today, (laughs) 77. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Um, I'm a person who has struggled with depression for a long time, and when I was growing up, uh, you know, I was picked on a lot and everything. So I always knew I had to be strong. And so I was married young and had my children. And I had a desire to go back to school, but no way to get there. So I prayed, Lord, would you please help me get there? You know, give me the money, give me a ride, get me there. So he did. And then my ex-husband decided that I wasn't who he wanted anymore. And in the midst of that divorce, which caused me to go into a deeper depression and raising two children at the time, my mom came up to help me. I was by myself, you know, with his family. And I just prayed, Lord, you know, if you want me to do this, I was mad. I said, you want me to do this? 
you show up. You get me away. You give me the money, and I will go. I worked hard. I worked a full-time job. I went to school at night. I had two children that I raised with help from his family and him some. And here I am now, seven years later, I am a full-time teacher for special ed, and God has blessed my life with a new husband, a son, two beautiful daughters who've grown up to be wonderful individuals, and I'm here as a testimony not only to them but to other people with handicaps and disabilities that if you have God in your life and he gives you a purpose, that you can do anything. I have a master's degree. I have a master's degree. I work every day. I can't drive a car, but I get there every day. I show up, and I work with those beautiful children that I have to work with. It's always a battle. You know, I deal with severely handicapped children. It's not a picnic. I'm in middle school, but I love each and every one of my kids and would not trade them, well, for a day off here and there, but... Um, <laughs> But I love them, honestly, and I think that I ran from God for so long for doing special ed, and he just I just finally had to give it over, and he said, here it is. So when I finally started doing his will, he blessed me with a job, and I've had that job, and I've only grown, got a nicer house, blah, blah, blah. You know, things have just been, so I hope I'm a testimony to someone, a witness, a blessing. To Amen. someone. That's all I've ever wanted to be in my Amen. whole entire life. I saw one more back there. That's all good. That's all good. I was at that place some years back now in the late 70s, early 80s. I became a fashion model, which was the worst thing in the world that I could have become. I didn't think so at the time, but it took me to a very dark place. I was walking down the streets in Cleveland, Ohio one day, and the editor from the Plain Dealer magazine modeling agency approached me and asked me, who are you? And I thought, I don't know, I'm me. She says, be at my office tomorrow morning. I want to do a layout of you. And I thought, oh my God. I'd always thought about modeling, but I had no clue how to break into it in a big major city. Well, like I said, huh, took me to a place where I didn't want to get up in the morning anymore. I had everything, Pastor, everything. Diamonds, furs, cars, homes. But it took me to a place where I said, I don't want this no more. 
I'm going to take some pills and I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. I took them, but they didn't work. God was still on my side. Even though I was in my sin and I wasn't raised to do the things that I was doing. But I got caught up with the wrong people doing the wrong thing. One night, I decided I was going to do it. I lived in a trailer. You know, trailers are close together. And my neighbor, well, we all watched over each other. And he said to me afterwards when I got out of the hospital, he told me why he came over to knock on the door. He said he told his wife, there's something wrong over there at Miss St. Clair's house because every light in that trailer is on. And he said he knew that wasn't my style. I I don't like the lights in the house. I like it kind of cozy. You know what I mean. He said he told his wife, I'm going over there and I'm going to see what's the matter. My God was still reigning in my sin and in my hopelessness, helplessness. He came over and he said he knocked, and then he knocked again, and he knocked again. He said, and he just something told him, that door is open, just go on in. And he told me that he thought I was already dead. He said, I was sitting at the table with my head slung over like this, and the bottles of pills where the pills were, the bottles, it was just all over the table. He said he walked up to me and he took my pulse. He said it was going, doop, doop, doop. The doctors told me that I should have been dead with the first bottle I took. Not the second bottle. The first one should have stopped my heart. But it did not. You don't know why I shout. You don't know why they call me a fanatic for Jesus. Because you don't know what he does for me. Yeah. folks has been through. God, I'm sorry, brother. I, I, I know God's done more than enough for you, but I need to move on. I, I think we can agree on this. I think there's an awful lot of testimonies in here. I think there's an Amen. So here's the deal. Those are memorials. They're the things that God has done for me. They're the things that God has done for you. They are memorials in our life. So keep all that in mind. And let me go back to our story here in the book of Joshua. How did the children of Israel 
wind up in Egypt in the first place? Well, obviously, you've got to go back to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis gives us a story of creation. It gives us a story of sin, how it came in through Adam and Eve, and how sin became rampant. And God um, was sick that he'd even made man. He's going to destroy man. Then we get the story of Noah and the ark. And then you get on down to about chapter number 30, and you begin to get the story of Abraham, which leads to the story of Isaac, which leads to the story of Jacob, which leads to the story of Joseph. And Joseph was Jacob's favorite, Israel's favorite. He loved him because he was a son of his old age, and he had the coat of many colors. And if you know the story, Joseph had the dream, and he saw how his brothers would worship him being the younger brother, and his brothers hated him because of it. Then his brothers took him, and they sold him to a band of Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And then he was carried, and he was sold into the Potiphar's house. Jennifer into the Pharaoh's house. Genesis chapter 39, verse number 1, that Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, and bought him out of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither, and the Lord was with Joseph. He was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Do you understand? He's been sold into slavery by his brothers. He's been condemned from everything that man can see, but God has a plan. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house. And all that he put his hand to, all that he had, he put into his hand. It came to pass from that time that he made him overseer in his house. And over all that he had, and the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field, and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. He knew not all he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. Now, the story has its ups and downs. If you know the story, Potiphar's wife lied on him and said that he wanted to have something. It was really her that wanted him, and he ran from her. And he winds up in a dungeon. So he's sold by his brothers. He ends up as a slave. And then he gets to Potiphar's house. Things can't be much better. Then he gets thrown into a dungeon. And here he is in this cold, damp dark dungeon cast away but in genesis chapter 41 we see him again and he's talking to the pharaoh the most powerful man in all the earth the ruler of egypt and pharaoh said thou shalt be over my house and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled only the only in the throne will i be greater than you Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride on the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land. So what we see is that Joseph became the, most, the second most powerful man in all of the world. If you know the story, there was a great famine in the land. And one of the things that God had Joseph do was store up grain for years so that when the famine came and the crops didn't grow, that Egypt was the only place that had grain. Then what happened? The brothers that sold him into slavery, the father sent them to go looking for food, and they came. And Joseph saw him, and he didn't reveal himself the first time. But when they came back, he made them bring Benjamin, the younger brother, and he reveals himself to him, and he tells them who he is. And he tells them he forgives them. Genesis chapter 15, his brethren went also and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place of God. <laughs> Your life might have shaped up not quite like you want it, but if you're serving him today, you are in the place of God. As for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day 
to save much people alive. Now therefore fear you not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived in 110 years. In verse number 26 it says, So Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put into a coffin in Egypt. That's Genesis. You get to Exodus chapter 1, verse number 6, says that Joseph died and all his brethren in all that generation and all the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. I preached a message a few months back on that passage. Those of you that were here, you probably remember it. I talked about that generation where everybody knew Joseph. In the next generation, most people knew Joseph. In the next generation, some people knew Joseph. In the next generation, a few people knew Joseph. Until they came to the generation who knew not Joseph. You know why? Because they didn't tell him. They didn't tell him about Joseph. They were too busy with their own families too busy with their own problems too busy trying to get their own lives going too busy trying to to fit in and work out their own problems in the world so they forgot about Joseph so that's the story from Genesis that's how they got into Egypt in the first place you can look into Exodus and see how this next king he's the one that saw how they increased in number and he said they're going to overtake us and he's the one that turned them into slaves you can go on and read about how God took Moses this one man and went in and he did all these great and mighty miracles now how many of you know the story about how Moses went how many of you know about the miracles and the plagues and all the things that God did? How many of you know about the parting of the Red Sea? How many of you know about how God provided manna every day when you got up? It was fresh. It was new. It was like reading the Word of God. You can't take from yesterday. You can't store it for tomorrow. You wanted manna this morning? Here's the bread. Here it is. How many of you know the miracles of what God did? So they had all these great miracles. Then back to the story of Joshua. Here we are. They're at the doorstep to the promised land again. There is a walled city on the other side of the Jordan called Jericho. And and we know that Joshua sent the spies over into the land. And when the spies got over into the land, they went to a harlot's house named Rahab. And the Bible says in Joshua chapter 2 verse 8 that before they were laid down that she came up to him on the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror has fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our heart did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. The title of the message this morning is they can't hear what we don't tell. So we're living in a world today that's hearing from everybody except for the children of God. Our children are hearing it from the school teachers. They're hearing the lies of evolution. They're hearing the lies of the Big Bang, the lies of Charles Darwin, the the lies all about creation. They're hearing the lies of the media. They're hearing the lies of the politician. 
They're hearing the entertainment from the sports world. They're hearing all of the trash that comes from the sitcom of today's television. They're hearing all the filth and all the garbage that comes on at 5, 6, 10, 11, and all other hours of the day on that stuff they call news. It's not news. It's just become straight-up filth. They're hearing from everybody except for the child of God. We had a meeting Thursday night. Actually, we had an eating meeting. We were over at Rich and Lisa Pike's house. They had all the deacons and all the staff. We all came over, husbands and wives, and we, we sat down and we ate. That's a priority. If you're in the Baptist church, all God's people said amen. You can't get anything accomplished if you don't eat first. So we ate some really good groceries and some really good desserts, and we talked about some things of the church and the future of the church and what God's doing in the church and, and some forward progress of the church. But as we talked, Dale made mention of the fact that there are 1.5 billion people on this planet who have never heard the name Jesus Christ. Now, that's in spite of the fact that you can take your phone, you can do a Facebook or some of your other media stuff, and in a matter of seconds, you can send a message that will circle the entire globe. We, we put men into space. We've got satellites camped out up there. That's how these things work. We, we put men on the moon. We've got space stations that people can live on year-round. People actually live in space. Man, it's kind of like watching the, the old cartoons, The Martians. People, we, we've got these incredible capabilities that we can do things around the world. We've got television that goes all around the globe. They can put on a single football game, and the entire world can watch all at one time a soccer game. Anything that they do can be seen all around the globe all at the same time, yet there are 1.5 billion people on this planet, and some of them live in Grange, Georgia, who have never heard the name Jesus Christ. My Savior, my Lord, my Redeemer, the one that gave me everything I have, the one that made all things pass away. Behold, all things become new. The one that took away all my sin, all my guilt, all my shame, all of ours. I'm not in this by myself. I just have my own testimony. The one that did it everything for me. There's people out there that don't even know him. We're living in a world where the Christians are way too silent. That was a message that I preached from that passage a while back. But this morning, we're in the book of Joshua. And Joshua was given this detailed explanation from God on how to keep that from happening. How to keep there from being a generation who doesn't know Jesus Christ. How to keep there from being a generation who does not know the things that got us to where we are. And that is to build a memorial. That is to take your children. That is to take the upcoming generations. That is to take the people that you work with. That is to take all of your neighbors. That is to take people to the place where they remember. Tell them what God did for you. We've got all these great miracles bound up in our mind, and most of us don't even know the stories about what each other has been through. Most of the things that were just shared, they just said, I've never told this before, or I can't believe I'm telling you this. We're telling stories for the first time that are a memorial of the goodness of God Almighty, of the darkness that he's brought us from, the things that he's done, the places that he's picked us up out of, the things that we just talked about. Those are the things. Those are memorials. That's what we need to be telling that world out there. This is what we need to be telling the people around us because they can't hear what we don't tell. You know why so many children and grandchildren today don't know the name Jesus? 
Because so many parents and grandparents aren't talking about him. I had breakfast a week or so ago with um, Brother Aaron McCullough. He is the Troop County chapter of the Southern Baptist Association. He is, he is the head of that. And we were talking, we were sitting at dinner, and we were talking about the current condition of the church. And we were talking about the current condition of the public school system. We were praying on some things that we want to see God do in the public school system to bring prayer and Bible reading back into the public school system. To be honest, it's, it's got to start first. Judgment must begin in the house of the Lord. It, it's got to start here. And, and I made a reference to this passage, and I was talking about the memorial. And I said, the problem is that we stop talking about the memorial, so this stones for memorials become nothing more than a pile of rocks. He said, brother, that'd be a good message. So here it is. When your children think about church, do they think about Jesus Christ? Or do they just think about the building? Do they think about the things that you have told them that God has done for you? Or do they just think about the place that they're being made to get up and go to on Sunday morning when they'd have rather been sleeping in and they really don't understand what it's all about? Have you told them what God has brought you through? Have you told your children? Have you told your co-workers, the people around you? Have you told them about what God has done, the miracles that God has done for you? Not, not just here, but for you. Have you told them about the times in your life when you had no way out? Have you told them about the times when you thought it was over, you thought it was done, you had no answers? Have you told them about the time when God made a way out of no way at all? Have we told them? Have you told them about the time when God parted your Red Sea? Have you told them about the time when God knocked down the walls around your Jericho? Have you told them about the time when God defeated the giants in your life? I know we told them about David and Goliath. I know we told them about seven times around Jericho. I know we told them about the Old Testament stories. But have you told them about your story? Have you told the people that work around you about what God did for you? Have you told them why you're a fanatic for Jesus Christ? Have you told them why you'll stand up and worship when nobody else wants to? Have you told them why you'd walk into Walmart and ask people, do you know a man named Jesus Christ? Can I tell you a little something about him? Have you told people, do they understand why you are the way you are? Or do they just know you get up and go to church on Sunday? Have you told them why you are the way you are? Have we told them about what God has done? See, I'm not talking to the world right now. This is the church. This is our message. I'll tell you this. We talked about it down at the rock altar, at the prayer altar this morning. God protected the lost this morning just like he protected you. The rain fell on the lost just like the rain fell for the saved. The sun comes up on the lost. Listen, of such were some of you. God protected us when we were lost. Brother Peter just talked about it. God kept him alive when he should have died many, many times. But God kept him alive long enough that one day he was going to be the man that would walk up and down the streets of LaGrange, Georgia, telling everybody about Jesus Christ. So God was sufficient for everybody this morning. I'm not talking to the world this morning. I'm talking to people just like me. I'm talking to people who God has reached into our lives and done many mighty, amazing miracles that God has restored everything, that God has done things that, that nobody else could do, and we simply aren't telling everybody about it. It's like it's our little secret. What are we 
tell our children, what do they see? What do they see when they look at the church? Is it a memorial of the things God did, or is it just a pile of stones? What do they see when they look at the Bible? Is it a memorial, a testament of the things of God, or is it just a bunch of old stories compiled into one? It's just become just a pile of stones. What do they see when they look at the things of God? What do they see when we try to tell them about the things that God has done? Is it a memorial? Do they see it as a mighty God? Or do they just see a pile of stones? Think about the people you work around. Think about your co-workers. Think about your neighbors. Think about all the people in your life. Can I go ahead and tell you something? They're seeing something in you. What are they seeing? What are the memorials in your life? That's simple. It's the things you talk about. Are they seeing memorials of sports figures? Are they seeing memorials of ball teams? Are they seeing memorials of of things of your past that, that you did? Or are they seeing memorials of what Christ has done for you? They're seeing whatever we're talking about. That is the memorials in our lives. That's the memories. That's what we're bringing up. What are they seeing when they look at our lives? Because we all talk about something. We talk about what matters. We are one generation away from a generation who knew not Jesus if we don't tell them about him. It's up to the children of God because the world sure isn't going to do it. So the things that God has done for you and I, our stories, the things that we just talked about, the things that we shared, our, our stories, are they a memorial? Are they a thing of remembrance? Are they the thing that we take people back to? Are they the thing that we go back often to tell people about the goodness of God? Or are they just a pile of rocks that nobody really knows anything about? We tell every person that comes to discover faith, just tell your story. It's your story. You don't have to memorize scripture. You don't have to know all these stories of the Old Testament. You don't have to know about the prophecies. You don't have to know about the prophecies yet to come. You don't have to be able to compare Revelation to Daniel and get the story of how things go in the end. You don't need any of that to tell your story. You don't have to learn it. You don't have to memorize it. You don't have to study it. It is your story. It is what God did for you in the secrets of the darkness of your own life, of your own home. It's when God showed up for you, when it wasn't nobody but you and him. It is your story. It is your memorial of what God has done. And there's not a more powerful story on this earth than your story. Because it's when God reached into your situation and made a way out of no way. But if we don't tell it, they can't hear it. Amen? Tell what, Tim? Where's Tim? How about come over here to this piano, bro? If you don't mind, I want you to sing something. Um, it don't matter what. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart, I want you to sing a song. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You know your story. You know whether you're telling it or you're not. You know whether or not you need help. You know if it's a memorial that you're sharing with everybody or if it's just become a pile of rocks. If you're not telling anybody about it, then it's just a pile of rocks. They don't know. Can I, can I just have you go ahead and stand? Um, I'm done. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Tim's going to sing. 
And I've got some piles of rocks in my life. I've got some things that God has done for me that I ought to be telling the world about. And it's like they're my little secret. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a few minutes right here. And I'm just going to ask God to help me do better. To help me be better. You're welcome to come join me in the altar if you want to.